You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. morning church. Are we good? Are we good? Whew. Who had their second coffee already? I didn't. I wish I did. Jeff. Jeff had his second coffee. Nice work. Shout out to my dad. It's his birthday today. Happy birthday, dad. Hey, round of applause. Love my dad. Um, who's excited to be in church this morning? Who's pumped? Who's ready to hear from God? Who's ready to delve into the Word of God? We've been, um, we've been in a new series called Revolutionaries. Boom, Revolutionaries. We've been looking at a whole bunch of characters throughout Scripture. And I mean, pretty much every character in Scripture seems like a revolutionary, you know, except the bad ones, of course. But all the good ones, they're like, they're all revolutionaries. It's like they did such awesome, cool stuff. And I love hearing about um, just diving deep into these characters in the Bible and seeing how they are revolutionaries. And it gives me hope that most of these characters are flawed in some kind of degree. You know, they're they're not perfect except Jesus. And, um, And it gives me hope that, hey, if all these guys can be revolutionaries, I think I can be too. I think you can be as well. Who believes that you can be a revolutionary? I mean, the, the thing I love about the revolutionaries in the Word of God is that they didn't realize they were revolutionary. They didn't wake up in the morning going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in the Bible. I'm going to make sure I make it in the Bible. I've got a plan. I've got, um, got a social media plan um, on Facebook and Instagram to get my name out there. I'm going to be a revolutionary. I'm going to get into the Bible. No, they, they just did life. And they were, they were confined to the, their time and their context, and they just did life with God, and they were a part of God's awesome plan. They were part of His revolutionary plan, and therefore they just did revolutionary things. And here we are this morning in this room, in, confined to our context of time, and I believe God has given us the ability, He's given us the tools, He's given us His Spirit, He's given us everything we need to join in and be a part of His revolutionary plan that is happening, that is still continuing, that is still going now. It didn't stop, it didn't finish when He went to the cross, it just begun. It just started getting momentum and gaining traction and we're here this morning a part of it. So don't let the lie in your head or from the devil tell you that, oh, I'm just I'm just doing my boring old life. I'm not a revolutionary. You know, when we read these revolutionaries and we talk about Cornelius this morning, I hope that this morning you can relate and you can see and you can delve into Cornelius's life and we can see, wow, I, I can do that. God's put the same stuff in my hands. God is doing some stuff Right now, so who's ready to talk about Cornelius this morning? Sorry, sound guys. I know I keep putting the mic too close to my mouth. Who knows much about Cornelius? A lot, I mean, a lot of people, you know, we don't sit down with our kids and teach them, tell them the story of Cornelius, um, unless it's Baba. Does anyone remember Baba? Yes. Cornelius is like the general on Baba. Jess and I had this conversation. She's like, Baba, it's called Baba. And I'm like, what? You crazy? I know my stuff. I looked up YouTube. It's Baba. I was right. Which is not the usual case. Good. 
So we're talking about Cornelius the centurion this morning. And just to give, I just want to give you some context of where Cornelius sits in Scripture. So we're in Acts this morning, Acts 10, if you want to flip there, if you want to get your digital Bible ready, whatever you want to do, get ready. But we're in Acts. So Jesus has died. He's gone to the cross. He paid for the sins of the world. He rose again. He spent some time on earth um, walking around, telling people stuff, showing up. And uh, he went to be with the Father, and he said to the disciples, he said, go wait in Jerusalem, wait, because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Pentecost happened, Holy Spirit came, fell upon the, uh, everyone in the upper room. Revival hit. God was on the move. Jesus might have left planet Earth. The Spirit of God didn't. Still alive, still here, even now. The Spirit of God is here, on the move, doing a work. And there was, there was revival. 3,000 people added. Um, all this crazy stuff started happening. And here we come. Saul gets converted. You know, Saul, who was, uh, who was a Jewish religious leader, persecuting this move of God. Saul gets converted, radically saved, ready to like advance and preach the gospel. And we see just here, God lets slip a little bit of a secret. And this is what we're getting to. Uh, he, he talks to Ananias, who was kind of part of Paul's conversion, and says that, that his heart is for the Gentiles, and then we come to Peter, has a couple of miracles, and then all of a sudden Cornelius busts out on the scene. We haven't heard of Cornelius, we don't hear of him after this, but Cornelius the centurion just busts in the story. And he's a Gentile, he's a centurion. He's a, he's a centurion in the, uh, in the Roman Empire, which meant he probably had like 100, 100 guys under him. He had authority, he had power, he had money. It was a prestigious job, he would have had a, a, a good pay. I mean, he was, a, he was a warrior, he would have been trained, he would be a hardened kind of, you know, military officer in the Roman army. And here's this guy, Cornelius, and we just want to start at the very beginning, because this is, I mean, we could go on forever about Cornelius and this story, because it's really fascinating. But just at the start, introduces Cornelius, it says, at Caesarea, he's got to say it fast, because I don't know how to pronounce it properly, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Like, whoa, that's interesting. I mean, you could just read that without thinking about the context, but he's a, he's a Roman centurion in the Roman Empire, in this culture of the day. He, he, you wouldn't pick a Roman centurion to be a God-fearing man, devout, who gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. And this is where we're going to delve in a little bit about Cornelius. And just before we do... I just want to kind of share the story of what is happening in this moment where Cornelius busts on the scene. So Cornelius, straight after he is introduced, it says that one day at about three in the afternoon, he's probably praying, he had a vision and he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, hey Cornelius, that's what he said. Cornelius stared at him in fear and what is it, Lord, he asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back an, a man named Simon, who was Peter, who is also called, it says that in the Bible there, who's called Peter. So here he is, he like has a vision of an angel, he's praying. He says, go send Peter. And right at this moment, because the scripture's a bit too long to, to say it all out loud, I'll give you the, the abridged version, go read it later. But Peter's sitting up on top of a roof. 
He's chilling out. I don't know. He's probably just having a moment to himself, checking his Instagram feed, just having a little break, maybe a drink, checking out the sunset. I don't know. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he's just chilling out. God busts in and gives him a vision. And the vision is uh, a sheep comes down with all these animals and God says, get up, kill and eat which is a bit weird. We're not going to go into that now. But he's talking about the Gentiles who are unclean to the Jewish people. He's saying, and he's, Peter's like freaking out. And he's like, hey, God, I can't kill and eat. This is unclean. Like, I, this is not what we're meant to do. I can't do this. And then God says, don't call unclean what I have called clean. And Peter's like, okay, I won't, I won't disagree with God on this. You know, it's a bad idea to disagree with God. So God's, you know, he's, God sent down the Weber with the pork ribs roasting and God's like, have a sniff, get up, have an eat. You know, it's just, Jared loves his ribs. And, um, and at this moment, he's having a vision. The guys that Cornelius sent to get Peter are like yelling out from downstairs. They're like, hey, Pete, is that you up there? And he's like, oh, whoa, okay, this thing's happening. God's orchestrating things. God is on the move. He's like, okay, I'm going to go with you guys. He's just trusting God. He doesn't know what's happening. Cornelius is trusting God. Everyone's just trusting God. Cornelius is starting to get things ready. He's getting his house in order. He's preparing some food. It could have been pork ribs on the Weber. I'm not sure. And, um, and Peter's on his way. He's getting ready. Cornelius is like, doesn't know what God's up to. He's just trusting and obedient. And as we come over, it says that, that Paul came, and as he entered the house, he was for, for a Jew to enter a Gentile's house was, was, you don't do that. They're unclean. That's the vision that God just showed Peter. He's like, don't call clean, unclean what I've already called clean. So Peter's like, okay, I'll go into his house. Comes into his house, and the first thing he says is, uh, you are aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. You know, a really nice greeting. You know, I shouldn't be here, guys. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. And then, he sa- and then Cornelius shares his vision of what, of what God had told him. And then Peter realizes, I know what I'm here for. I know what I'm here for. God wants to go to the Gentiles. God wants to save the Gentiles. I love this because God, the revolutionary story of God, God's like, Pentecost happened. All these people are saved and God's heart for the rest of humanity that aren't the Jewish nation, God's like, I'm going to go after them. No one planned anything. They're just part of the plan. And here God is chasing down the people that he loves to rescue and redeem them and to share his love. God is going after the Gentiles and he orchestrates this thing. And Peter starts to share the gospel. And Peter was wise. He brought a bunch of other guys with him too. So he just didn't rock up by himself. But he starts to preach the gospel to them. And it says, as he was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles. And they started to speak in tongues. And all the Jewish people in the room, it says, while Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So this, this is epic. 
this revolutionary story that you read through the whole Bible and you get to this point. God was, God people are the Jews. But here God is chasing down a whole new race, the Gentiles, a, the God, a people that God is going to call his own. He chases them down with his love and they're caught up in this revolutionary moment. A lot of scholars say it's like the second Pentecost. You had the Pentecost of the Jews where the Holy Spirit fell. And this is like the Pentecost to the Gentiles where the Holy Spirit fell on what everyone thought was unclean. But God had said, I made them clean at the cross. And this is Cornelius. He's caught up in this story. Cornelius didn't know that he was part of this scheme, this plan of God. And so we're just going to draw a few things this morning quickly about Cornelius in this context that we can draw from this morning. Are we good? We're excited? We like that? I mean, I, this is, I was reading this. I'm like, man, I don't know who Cornelius is. And I'm like, wow, he's caught up in like one of the most epic things ever. And uh, so we're just going to learn about him this morning. But Cornelius, I think we've got to have a bit, little bit of context of his culture, the Roman Empire. Because the Roman Empire, if you look at the culture of the Roman Empire to the culture of today, it's actually pretty similar. I mean, the world, we think the world's getting worse. It's just pro- probably the same. You know, humanity has a problem. We're all broken. We're all sinful. And the, the Roman Empire, there's stuff going on. There's, there's rampant consumerism. Instant gratification, recognition, hyper-individualism. They were a polytheistic culture, which meant they had many gods that they worshipped. You know, and and we might not have many gods with faces that we worship, but gods come in many forms. We live in a Western culture where we'll sacrifice uh, time, energy, we'll give worth to things, many things in our life that isn't God. So they were polytheistic culture. And here is a military man caught up, but it said he was a devout, God-fearing, monotheistic, regularly prayed, but he is a Gentile. This Cornelius, and this is my first point we want to learn about Cornelius this morning. Cornelius wasn't a construct of his culture. You say, we're, we're all sitting here today and to some degree, we're all a byproduct of our culture, right? We like, we like to think we're self-made people, I'm my own individual, all this kind of stuff. But we are formed by our culture. We are formed by our parents. We are formed by media, things that we read, things that we watch, things that we let influence us, music, culture, philosophy, arts, which was, which was uh, really important in the Roman Empire at this time. All these things that we let form us and we grow up and we're not just our own person. We're a person made up of many things. But the thing I love about Cornelius, see he, as a, revo- as a, as a military man in the Roman Empire, would have been a byproduct at some point of his culture, but he pursued a different culture. He went after a different, he purposely pursued a different culture. He said, you know what, I might be right now a construct of my culture, but I'm deciding I don't want to be a construct of my culture. I'm going to pursue a different culture. Because if I just stand still, I'm just going to stay a product of my culture. But if I begin to devote myself, if I begin to give myself to one God, if I begin to pray regularly, if I begin to do these things, I'm going to find myself become a byproduct of a different culture. And I feel like we can learn from Cornelius this morning that we can't be passive. We can't be passive 
in our culture. Romans, I love Romans 12. It says, therefore, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's an active thing. It's not a passive thing. He's saying, don't be conformed, but be transformed. So yes, spirit, spirit of God, new spirit, new creation, it's whole. But our mind, our will, and our emotions, our soul, sanctification needs to happen. We need to catch up to what the spirit of God is with our mind and our will and our emotions. That's why God says we need to transform. We need our mind renewed. We need our soul. We need our will. And we need our emotions renewed. So what, what are you allowing to shape you? What things of the culture are you letting just kind of mold and conform you? Because Cornelius was not a construct of his current culture. He refused to stay a byproduct. And we live in a world with rampant consumerism, hyper-individualism, instant gratification and recognition. But when I read about the kingdom of God, when I read this word, I begin to see, wow, wow, this culture is really different to the kingdom of God. And when I start to read the Word of God, it's like it reads me. And it starts to tell me, wow, this is really different to the culture that's in this book. This is really different to the way God wants me to live. And I need to start repenting and changing, renewing my mind and changing and catching up and becoming more Christ-like. So that's point number one. Don't become a construct of your culture because Cornelius pursued a different culture. Because God desires that we would push in and focus the trajectory of our lives towards Him rather than multiple things in our life. Number two, Cornelius was a conduit and a catalyst of revolution. I love this. I think Cornelius represents a lot of us. We just, we do life. You know, he was a military man doing life, but towards God. Cornelius wasn't he wasn't like this David guy, David figure that like killed a bear and a lion with his bare hands and then killed Goliath. You know what I mean? Like this kind of, that's all, I love those stories. But Cornelius, it doesn't say that he did any of this stuff. He didn't do any crazy, any, it didn't seem like he was doing any crazy stuff. And sometimes when I hear about a revolutionary, I'm like, oh, they're so cool. They're awesome. You know, I'd love to be a revolutionary. <laughs> I'd love to do something crazy for God, you know, one day. But I'm just going to work. I'm just providing for my family. But that's actually, there's a lie from the enemy that says that's not revolutionary. That's, that's not important. You know, a lie that says looking after and loving your family isn't revolutionary. And here Cornelius is caught up in a revolution. He didn't even realize it just because he was loving God loving his family, serving God, praying regularly. Like, he was just a man of God, after God's heart. And here he is, caught up in a revolution, opens the door to the Gentiles. God uses his life. He is a conduit for God's revolution. He is an open door for God to move through his life and to see revolution and change. And he didn't even know it was going to happen. But just by being simply devoted, doing the simple things, he was a revolutionary. He was, I mean, he was a doorway for the Gentiles to receive salvation. We're here today because Cornelius paid a pl- paid, played a part in God's big story. 
because of Cornelius. You thought he wasn't important. You thought he was just a guy, I'm Baba. <laughs> you see, Cornelius was a man of faith, action, and obedience. He heard God. He said, I'm going to do what you said. I don't have a clue what you're doing, God. I don't know what's happening. You might be at work. You might be just doing life. And you're like, I don't know where you're taking me, God. I have no idea what what you're up to. I don't know. I don't have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. I didn't get a vision that I'm going to be like standing in front of, um, you know, 10,000 Africans, seeing them healed and saved and all this kind of stuff. But I love that Cornelius was just obedient to there and then of what God was doing. His ear was open, he was humbled, he was ready just to do what God said. God said, go send some men to Joppa, go get Peter. So he went, okay, I don't know what you're doing, God, but I'm going to send some men to Joppa. He was willing, he was willing, he was just willing and open in the everyday for God to use his life. He was a participant and a recipient in revolution. You know, there's this idea that we have to, we do some crazy things, that we have to, you know, make get famous or something. You know, we're in this world that's so consumed with fame, Instagram, YouTube, and we think, oh, they're the, re- they're the revolutionaries of our time. But the kingdom of God has a bunch of unsuspecting revolutionaries. Jesus said by the Spirit, you're going to see people saved. You're going to see people set free. You are going to be my instrument to see the kingdom of God spread throughout the earth. It's not going to be overthrowing governments. Jesus came and showed us. He didn't come to overthrow a government. No, he came to bring heaven to earth. That's the kind of revolutionaries God's calling us to be this morning. A conduit. Cornelius was a conduit, but he was also a catalyst. Don't wait for a podcast, a conference, or a prophetic word just to blow our minds and start a revolution in our world. Don't wait for presence. Don't wait, for, don't, don't wait on a podcast to set off a revolution on the inside of you. Cornelius, was just, he was just simply devoted to God. I just, it's so simple, but we find it so difficult sometimes, don't we? <laughs> we forget that Jesus already did what he's already done and that our simple everyday devotion helps us remind us of that. When we get before God every day, like Cornelius, we start to remember and God starts to remind us that he has set a revolution on the inside of us already. We might be like, I'm waiting for a revival. I feel like God says, go look in the mirror because I put the spirit of God in you. He says, the fullness of God is on the inside of you. There's no more. There's no double portion. It's the fullness of God. There's no more extra portion than God living on the inside of you. And I feel like God is saying this morning, if we are willing, open conduits, we can be catalysts of revolution. But we have to renew and reform our mind to remember and realize that God has put His Spirit on the inside of us. So when we go to work, we are in the Spirit. God has put Himself on the inside of us. He says, I can give you ideas, creative things to change and shift the atmosphere of your workplace. When we're with our kids and they're going crazy and you don't feel like a Christian anymore because of how you feel, God said, I put my Spirit on the inside of you. I, I can show you how to love Him in a moment when your emotions are going crazy. We've got to remember and remind ourselves every day, just like Cornelius did, that there is a revolution on the inside of us. 
We're not waiting for an external revolution to come and hit us and impact us. It's on the inside. Rivers of living water flow from the inside of your inner being. But sometimes we wait. And we give our worth and devotion to a lot of other things, which is really hard because I'm, I'm in the same ballpark. Now, I need to watch that show because I'm, I'm going to, I need to relax. I need some peace. I need to chill out. I need, I need that TV show because like I put something already in you. You don't need that. You need the peace of God. You need the joy that comes from God. You don't need that substance. You don't need that addiction to media, entertainment. You don't need people to validate and like you. You don't need 10,000 followers on Instagram. He said, I got put something on the inside of you that will give you every single thing that you need. You just need to tap into that. And I believe Cornelius, he's shown us how to do it. He's just simply devoted every day to God. He gave his life to God every single day. Cornelius represents us. I think, when we think of revolutionaries, can I just invite the band up? I just want to have the band up. I want to worship after this. When we think of revolutionaries, we think of these people that overthrow, lead movements, do crazy things like that, right? Just do out-of-the-box out of things, you know, just leave everything, quit your job, all this kind of stuff. That's what a revolutionary does. But I feel like Cornelius, the most revolutionary thing that he did was he overthrew himself. He threw himself off the throne. Because when Peter came and shared the gospel to, to Cornelius and everyone in his family, it still required humility. It still required willingness to put himself aside and receive the gospel, to receive the thing that God was doing on the inside of him. Cornelius realized, I can't, do, I can't save myself. My good works can't save me. My actions can't save me. My church activity can't save me. My church activity can't fulfill me. Preaching won't fulfill you. Preaching won't set you alive. Being up here with the band isn't the thing that's going to set you alive. It's going to be God Himself. And He says, throw yourself off the throne. Overthrow yourself and rely wholly on Me because I've given you everything you need. And I feel like this morning, I just want to create an atmosphere and a moment where we can do a revolutionary thing. And let's devote ourselves to God afresh. It's to give ourselves to Him, not in just a moment or at a conference or anything like that, but every single day, devote our day to Him, devote our life to Him. I love, I just want to read Romans 12 again in the message version. I think I've got it up on the screen. It says this, it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you, of course. Take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking, walking around life. Walking around, there you go. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God has done for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. 
not the outside in. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. It's like, it's like He's talking about Cornelius. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. How good is that? Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.